everyone, welcome to Millennium Live. Today I am joined with Dr. Ite Claus, who is the Medical Director for Clinical Surveillance and Compliance at Walters Kluwer. Thank you so much for being here, Dr. Claus. Hi, Katie. Nice to be with you guys here. Before we jump in, can you just tell us a little bit about Walters Kluwer and its AI-powered clinical surveillance solution, the POC Advisor, or POCA? Sure. What do we really do at Walters Kluwer, as you're saying? Because That's a name that is probably not that familiar for a lot of the population. However, our products and our services are pretty much familiar to most clinicians, at least in North America, probably the rest of the world as well. So we are the largest provider of peer-reviewed, evidence-based clinical knowledge and best practices worldwide. So we have a portfolio of various sources. I think the most familiar ones would be for our audience up to date and Lexicomp. These are sources of the best practices known right now to the medical community pretty much worldwide. And in addition, what we have been doing in the last couple of years is taking it to the next step and creating point of care actionable solutions that take all that data and information and actually makes it into an immediate, dynamic, point-of-care, click-and-do solutions for providers and clinicians as they use electronic medical records. So, Dr. Claus, how does focusing on sepsis improve patient outcomes and overall hospital performance? That's a great question. First of all, sepsis is, let's say this way, it's probably the number one source of expenses or medical expenses in the U.S., and it accounts to one of three patient deaths in hospitals. Just uh, last year, for example, we had about 270,000 deaths from sepsis in the U.S. It's a very expensive condition for inpatient care. The annual volume approximate for 2019 is almost $70 billion, even if you take into account the fact that those folks need care beyond the hospital, like nursing home especially. And there's also a very strong emphasis from the regulatory tensions from CMS and the private insurances on trying to create a very cost-effective sepsis intervention that not only treats patients in the right time, saves lives, reduces morbidity, but also reduces costs significantly in care variation. So what challenges are hospitals facing today and what would really drive them to seek out a solution like a POC advisor? Well, there's a couple of things. First of all, what what, what I've mentioned, the fact that the general environment, the world is moving that way and, and hospitals are more and more required to be accountable for how they treat those very complex patients. Now, how do they do that? So Sepsis care is very time-sensitive and also very protocol-sensitive. Some of it are quite complex. So what what hospitals are trying to do and where they usually find it's very challenging is to to accurately and very early detect patients that are starting their sepsis journey, I would say, that are still in the early phases when you can really do an impact, you could really help. But when they try to capture these patients just based on electronic medical record, as we know them, the kind of generic, you know, general ones, they usually end up getting either a whole flood of irrelevant alerts and non-actionable information. Things like the patient is deteriorating, period. So what I do with that information as a clinician who is very busy and has many difficult patients. So, so these are kind of the main, the main issues. First of all, to find the data, do it in real time, and then produce something that providers would feel comfortable, that would count on not to be just background noise, but accurate, and would actually give them 
tools of how to proceed with care and diagnosis. Now, the other challenge is that sepsis is not really just a one-man war, I mean, or woman. Sepsis is a multidisciplinary team challenge from the moment that the patient steps into the AD until until they're dismissed or unfortunately expire. There's a whole bunch of folks from the clinical and administrative side of the hospital that take care of them. Their care team can include everything from emergency care to surgical care, to dialysis, to ventilation, to the ICU, to general med surge floors, a lot of lab work, a lot of radiology work, and, and, and multiple consultant experts. So sepsis is really uh, a team game. And hospitals find it very difficult sometimes to create this kind of robust, flowing, streamlined protocol that would involve so many people from different, completely different sometimes elements or, or, or sources of the hospital. Could you explain how a POC advisor compares to a SERS-based alerting in EHRs? Sure. So you've mentioned SERS. SERS is pretty much the baseline on which the medical community has been identifying sepsis for 30, 40 years. And it is a compilation of several vital signs like the patient temperature or their how difficult is their breathing, some lab reports, uh, sources of infection. There's a couple of criteria. So once you meet all of them, you become SERS positive. Now, what does that mean? That's the real question. Because SERS is very sensitive. It would probably catch most septic patients at early stages. The problem is the specificity. SERS is extremely unspecific. So just to give you an example, it would usually catch true specificity of 15%. In other words, if I walk in right now to the ED and I just broke my arm and I'm brought to the ED and I'm stressed, I will probably have enough SERS criteria to be suspected septic patient, although I have nothing to do with sepsis. So if uh, it's a generic EMR that just create alerts based on SERS, that will be a false alert. And when we look at the numbers across the years, the numbers are staggering. It, it turns up that in most generic EMRs and existing systems, it's almost up to 90% false positive. So only one out of 10 of these alerts, the provider would actually be talking to a real septic patient. Wow, that's wild. So of course, hospitals and health systems are trying to become more sophisticated with AI technologies, but are there hospitals that are actually attempting to build a solution in-house? Oh, definitely. And even taking it a step backwards, it's now in the U.S. where over 95% of our care institutions from hospitals to outpatient communities are all connected to electronic medical records. The variation between the different system levels are are very significant, but even the leading ones, the most sophisticated and expensive ones, et cetera, have very, very limited amount of capability of discerning septic patients from the general background noise. Or like we've talked about before, identifying all those that might have some SERS criteria would be creating nine out of 10 alerts will be false. A lot of noise, and a lot of noise. And if they try to build it by themselves, then they really have to take into account. I'll just give you an example. At Walter Clures, we have almost four thousand plus clinical rules mm-hmm. built by specialist clinicians, and on top of that, machine learning and artificial intelligence, just to sort out who's the real septic patient and when is the right time to intervene. 
of course you have so many roles and I assume as your role of medical director at Walters Kluwer, you must have a lot of conversations with clinical leaders across the country. So what are you seeing there? There's some key trends and challenges that you have noticed specific to sepsis. Absolutely. To recall, we said at the beginning, sepsis counts to a third of death in hospitals. It also counts to a very significant expense out of the entire hospital expenses of care. And it also requires multiple specialists in many, many different disciplines. Now, if you look at what happened in 2020, we all know where we were. And one of the problems with the COVID pandemic is that it actually overloaded the hospitals with patients that some of them actually end up septic, either due to COVID or because COVID was a contributor to that. So not only they're flooded with very difficult patients, very complex ones that need a lot of resources and and, and special technology to treat, out of these, there is even a more uh, endangered subgroup of septic patients. So they are easily lost within that sea of COVID and, and, and the pressure that it implies on, on hospitals in the last year. And, and that makes it critical to be able to differentiate what's sepsis and what's not, and more importantly, what to do when. Wow. So just one last note, I don't want to keep you too long today, but I just want to talk a little bit about technology really quickly. Is there anything strategically that's coming up for you and your team that you can talk about? We are, we've started, well, let me put it this way. We've started with our focus on sepsis being uh, what we talked about is the leading cause of death, mortality, morbidity, costs, etc. But as we were developing our algorithms and our database and our rules and started implementing more and more advanced uh, technologies like machine learning and artificial intelligence, we realized that the next step would actually should actually encompass many more conditions in which a patient can deteriorate quickly when they're in the hospital without anyone noticing on time. Just to give you an example, a patient who's developing an acute MI or a heart attack, while they're in the department for something else, it can be because of a broken hip, or a patient that is developing a severe pneumonia, although they're right now in, let's say, OBGYN uh, after giving birth. So the ability to, to detect very, very subtle signs from thousands of data points that come into the system all the time from labs, from vitals, from for folks' assessment and notes and rules. And to say, you know, this patient is in danger to decompensate, that's how we call it, or to go downhill, if you want to say it in other words, is high. So that is kind of where we're taking it next. Not just sepsis. Sepsis is one of the important reasons or one of the main reasons, but there's many, many others. And that would be our next step. We already have an alpha partner, and this is... Uh, I think where we see the future, full intervention across the entire hospital for the earliest possible detection of a patient who's going to deteriorate. That's wonderful. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me today, Dr. Claus. This was really (laughs) informative and it was great chatting. Thank you, Katie, and glad to be here. Well, I hope we'll be able to chat again soon and I look forward to meeting you hopefully in person in the next couple months or so. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) When when conditions allow. Me too. Thank you very much. (laughs) Thanks for listening. And be sure to check out our other episodes. You can listen on Apple, Google, or Spotify. Be sure to subscribe. And for more information, you can visit mill-all.com.